You're listening to The Hero of the Story, presented by The Gospel Project. The Hero of the Story helps you study and teach the story of redemption from all Scripture. Now join your hosts, Aaron Armstrong and Brian Dembozik. Hi, welcome to The Hero of the Story podcast. I'm Aaron Armstrong, the brand manager of The Gospel Project, and... And I'm Brian Dembozik, the managing editor for The Gospel Project. Hey, and today we are talking about a super important question as we um, continue to explore how we teach and study the Bible from a Christ-centered perspective, how we show how all of it is about Jesus. And um, there's this, there's a there's an issue that we have that we as not just Brian and I individually, but really the Christian church as a whole has wrestled with since the earliest days of the church. And that, and and that question is, is what happens when you lose your grip on the gospel? Yeah. And I think that's a really important way to kind of look at it, Aaron, that losing a grip, because that, that kind of connotes, you have to hold on to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it requires a grip in the first place. And and my thinking is, as, as we uh, are going to see in, in some of the passages from Galatians, we're going to look at in a second, and just from our observations in the church throughout history, especially me growing up in the church in the, in the 70s and 80s, where uh, the gospel was not central, and it was not because the churches didn't want it to be, it's that they didn't focus on it. They weren't, they didn't have that grasp of it. They weren't gripping it. And it was very easy for them to let go of it. And, you know, it's one of those axioms. You wake up one day and you're like, wait a minute, where, where did the gospel go? And so for us, I think, as we look at, at, at a section in Galatians, for example, and we can take great comfort that this is not a new problem. Yeah. But that also should give us a pause to say this is serious because people have been wrestling with it in the church for generations. And they haven't figured it out. And we still haven't figured it out. Right. So, um, so just think about... Um, since we've med- mentioned Galatians a couple of times now, um, just think about verses uh, verses six through nine from chapter one. Um, this is Paul writing in the um, and the translation we're reading is the the Christian Standard Bible translation. Um, Paul wrote, "I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from Him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but that there are some who are troubling you and want to dis." distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse be on him. As we have said before, I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, a curse be on him. It's kind of emphatic there. That is intense. I mean, the language of, of it in from my limited, very limited understanding of, of biblical Greek. Um, actually it's a, it's a much stronger word than just cursed. Um, it's, it's one that might get you in trouble at the, at the dinner table, depending (laughs) on your, on your family background or, or get you church disciplined. I'm not sure. But, um, but I mean, it's, it's intense what he, what he says yeah, here. And, and, and I love when Paul does this. He does it a few times. He, he goes and he just, he's absurd on purpose. He, yeah. He, even if an angel from heaven came and preached another gospel or another right. gospel, we know that's not possible, but he's like, right. all right, let me just, I can almost see him as he's writing, just reaching for this. And let me be as absurd as possible to make this point, how important it is. Yeah. Um, well, and I mean, I mean, there's a whole nother, um, I mean, there's a whole nother episode that we could deal with just Mormonism there. Cause I mean, what, uh, you know, an angel of light yeah. appeared and, uh, and preached another gospel, yep. but, um, 
let's not go there right now. Let's not. Let's not. Um, but uh, to your point, I mean, the the emphatic nature of Paul's concern here, I mean, to the fact that to the point that uh, later he even condemns himself and is just like, if I do this, then a curse be on me. Yeah. Well, and, and it's just it's reminding us or informing us, depending on on how how uh, how much background we have with this thinking of of the gospel being center. But it really instructs us of how vital this is. And we think about what the Galatian church was going through. This is what this is what had happened. That's why he's so emphatic. He's emphatic because he cares deeply mm-hmm. about the gospel, about the the glory of Christ, and he cares so deeply about that church. And he says, "Hey guys, I know what's happened. You." You are you stumbled out of the gate. You, you are new at this, and you've already stumbled. You've already lost track of the gospel, and it's so important. I need to be as emphatic as I can. I need to be as absurd as I can with this illustration of an angel coming down to let you know that this is a non-negotiable. If you get this wrong, you just may well go home because everything else is going to fall apart. Yeah, absolutely. So what were some of the things that the Galatian church was was, was dealing with? Was it... Um, for them, I mean, we know that they, that they, that as Paul says, they were falling away from grace. Yeah. But was this, this wasn't the issue that, this wasn't the same kind of issue that existed in, say, the church at Corinth, where basically it was spring break yeah. all the time. What was going on there? Yeah, I, I think what was going on here in the church of Galatia was simply they, I think they wanted to do what was right. Um, unlike Corinth, where they just kind of gave into their culture around them and said, "Hey, whatever you know, we're just going to do whatever we want." This was a church that wanted to do right, but because they didn't understand the gospel as fully as they should have, because they didn't hold on to it, they didn't grasp it like we talked about. Their natural posture of the heart, the natural posture of our hearts, is to move toward legalism. It's to move toward doing what they were used to doing. And that's why he says later, you know, I'm, I'm surprised you've abandoned this so quickly. Why do you think what began by the work of the Spirit can be completed by works of the flesh? And it's that's what they did. They went back to the works of the flesh. That's our natural posture as people, mm-hmm. um, especially as the church in America. This is, I mean, that's what we're all wired about. Um, we're so independent. We are so wired to pick ourselves up by the bootstraps. And that is, that's where we're going to end up. If we are not intentional about this, we will follow the course of the Galatian church and we will lapse into legalism in our faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and, you know, when we're thinking about teaching teaching this, whether that's in a, in a small group setting or in a... Um, or in a in a preaching teaching con- context, a, a writing style, mm-hmm. anything like that. You know, one of the things that's really really challenging, certainly for me at least, is when I come to a passage like this, is to not not just turn this into a hammer. And yeah. so, um, because I mean, Paul's very strong just in that passage that we read, but he doesn't finish there, and he does actually doesn't even start there. He 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 begins by extending extending grace. Before he before he goes bananas here, yeah. and um, I think one of the things that's important here is, is that reminds us of the need for even as we are correcting um, our tendency toward falling away from the gospel, from going back into default patterns of legalism, yeah. the the patterns that that really can't help us in any way, shape, or form. Um, the, the patterns that that really just crush us over and over and over again, um, that the solution to that is not to say, hey, dummy, quit being dumb. It's, guys, remember the gospel. Yeah. 
And, and this is what Paul is, is trying to do here. And this is why um, one of the things that we care about a lot is, is how the gospel is shaping the culture of our churches. Exactly. And I, and I think, you know, this is a, is a good uh, conversation to bring up this tension that we should always be feeling between grace and obedience, that we know the gospel uh, means that we are fully accepted by Christ. And, and that's what the Galatian church needed to understand, who you are positionally. Your identity is secure in Christ. That's what you need to rest in. However, we also know that that doesn't mean that we don't do anything, that we just rest, period, sleep through life, that we've been called to obedience. And so here's where that tension exists that we need to always go back toward. You know, when we see in our own lives, if we are not doing what we are called to do, we need to let the Spirit go to work in us and discipline us and remind us of who we really are and to tell us to live our true identity. And that's what we need to do with others, as you were saying, Aaron. You know, if we see other people that we, in our church, in our fellowships that we care about, that we ought to care about and love, and if we see them not doing what they should be doing, we are compelled by the gospel to go to them, as you said, with the right posture, the right attitude, going through that lens of the gospel. But we also have to make sure they understand both these realities. You are completely accepted in Christ, but because of that, we should want to obey. We should strive toward obedience and your life should be looking different. And so making sure both of those are addressed. Right. So how do we do that practically? I mean, I, that's a broad question and I understand that, but it's a necessary question because I mean, I, I suspect there's a lot of listeners who are nodding their head in agreement with everything yeah. we just said, but it's like, okay, so... How do I actually apply the gospel? Yeah, I think I think to give a, a, a kind of a broad answer to a broad question, I, I think, and this is true of this and any application. So if, if you're listening and you teach, whenever we teach, we know we have to get the application because teaching with that application is not teaching, it's talking. So we need to make sure we get to a point where we're telling our groups, look, this is how we should be living because of what we just interacted with. And that's what you're doing when you go and confront somebody. Hey, you're not living the way you should. So I think the axiom here is we have to get to the why, not just the what. We're good at doing that. You know, stop doing this, start doing this. That's what based. Mm -hmm. We've got to make sure, and you got to get there eventually, but you got to get to the why. You've got to explain the why, which is it forces us as gospel-centered people to talk about the gospel. Because Christ has done this, because this is true of us, because this is our reality, because this is who we are being made into being, because this is the privilege we have to be Christ or image bearers of God in this culture, we ought to do this and we should want to do this. So I think that that why mm -hmm. is a critical part of this. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the other things too is, is that it's a reminder on the proactive side. So um, as well, that part of helping us keep our grip on the gospel isn't just correcting correcting it when the when the inevitable slide happens but it's it's doing what we can from the front end so by that i mean um it's like sometimes it's appropriate to warn about warn about yeah. issue about issues or um in certain instances people um as teachers because unfortunately not everyone who claims to be a um a, you know a follower of Jesus is that's that's just a sad reality yeah. that we have to deal with and that's not us picking on anybody if anyone listening is concerned about that um because we're not naming names <laughs> um 
the but the issue there is is that you know if we're you know if we're group leaders or we're pastors or um even even as parents mm-hmm. like we need to be watch- mindful of what influences we're allowing into the body um whether again whether that's our families yeah. our small groups or the church as a whole that um that just because some um, someone likes someone or someone is popular or um, whether or or whatever it is, you you pick your category of, of whatever you want it to be um, or need it to be for your context. Um, just because those things may be true, it doesn't mean that it's necessarily helpful or healthy. Yeah, yeah, and I would riff off that, Aaron, and I think it's a great point. And I would add to that. You know, I think a lot of times we think of correction, either in our own lives, it's kind of how we, we base our own maturity. Um, and it's a, it's a part of it, of course, as we're going to see in a second. But also how we confront others is when they're doing something wrong. It's a negative mm-hmm. based. The problem with that is is being a disciple of Christ is much more than that. It's much more than just not messing up. Yeah, there, There's a proactive posture that we should have that we're pursuing. As a parent, I want my kids, I don't want them just to stay out of trouble. I want them to be... Uh, growing up to be boys and girls, men and women in the future who reflect the glory of God in, in all they do. Mm-hmm. That's that's my goal. So I've got to look ahead. Who do I want these kids to become? If I'm a group, to, if I'm leading a group, I need to have that same heart for my group members. Who yeah. do I want them to become? So I think we also need to carry with this kind of based on what you were just saying, we have to carry with this idea of what's the goal here? And how can we proactively move people in that direction? How can we proactively create this gospel culture, maintain a gospel culture, so that we are moving in this journey of faith in that direction instead of just avoiding trouble? Right, and that's and that's a good point too. Um, I mean, yeah, I, that is the one thing I had I hadn't even mentioned in in as I was going was that. Um, because even then it was protecting against as opposed to pushing toward. Yeah. Because yeah, as, good way to think as, about as it. much as there are um, influences and, and again, sadly, teachers and books and all kinds of things that we shouldn't read or, um, or that wouldn't be best for us to read, there are so many that are so good for us. Exactly. And um, so that's, that's actually a great opportunity for us that we get to, we get to have good conversations Um about what are what are things that are beautiful and true, yep. and um, I mean, it's why I like um, even when I don't agree with certainly don't agree with everything that I read in in his work theologically. Um, it's it's why I love reading things like like C.S. Lewis's nonfiction work because it is just it's just so fascinating to to wrestle yeah. with and to think about, and there's a there's a beauty that's there that. I want to capture in for my own heart and my own mind, even as I want, even as I recognize what, what may not be right or true or best. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think, have we covered everything that we want to cover for now? I think, I think we took a good run at this one, man. That's, that's good. I mean, we're going to be revisiting this issue quite a bit as we move forward because it's so pervasive. Absolutely. So, th- yeah, this is this is not the end of a discussion. This is just kind no. of one one trip down this road. Yeah. Um, so, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the Hero of the Story, presented by the Gospel Project. 
a family of resources revealing how all scripture gives testimony to Jesus. Learn more at gospelproject.com.